Hey, welcome to our slightly older podcast, Legends of Philadelphia. I thought I'd switch it up. These are your hosts, Johnny Zito and his best friend, Tony Trove. I'm Brian Bierman, helping out on engineering duties. You might be asking, what makes these jet bags such experts? <laughs> well, in addition to being Philadelphia natives, Tony Trove and Johnny Zito have a little t-shirt business, South Bellini, that focuses on Philly culture and in-jokes. Lots of times, customers will ask us, you know, what's the deal with toy details? Or they want to know what the word John means. So we decided to start this podcast as an easy explainer for the new Philadelphians and a refresher for the old heads. The city fascinates and excites us, so we're hoping to share that with you. Ooh. I, you know, so much this pizzazz. Is why we, so so yeah, much punch. The way you mix it up, we can see the hand gestures you make, and uh, the audience <laughs> cannot. But. Oh, like the like I'm pretending I'm jerking off that was, like that. That was, is that what you were like, doing? I mean, you tell the audience. That's I. I was doing it like dismissively, like dismissively, yeah, the one, yeah. Th- like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't. I was not. I was not doing that. <laughs> well, we, I, I didn't have last week. Gina sang a sang an epic version of of the. Yeah. How do you how do you top that? Intro. How and do you? Yeah, I, I can't. So I didn't even try. Yeah, you just went. I you went, it in. You went with filth yeah, instead. You here's just, the. You went, <laughs> Filth, dirty. Here's the opener, James Brown, and now, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Following up, Brian Bierman. Brian Bierman. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. Bierman's got a top five for everyone. (laughs) Got some puns based on uh, ice cream. James Brown, I guess. I think your improvisation works for today's episode. We uh, we have a week to kill here between holidays before we start talking about Thanksgiving kill stuff and Christmas stuff. To love, Zito. What's that? A week to love. A week to love. A week to love, not a week to, to kill. kill. Right? To yeah, kill. yeah, yeah, yeah. To kill. Yes. So we, <laughs> we thought we. <laughs> so we thought we'd squeeze in um, some stuff about some dirty cartoons. Uh, <laughs> We're going we're gonna to talk about Robert Crumb, a dirty cartoonist whose independent work is known for satirizing contemporary American culture. Uh, inspired by psychedelics and cartoons from the 1920s, Crumb published the first successful underground comic magazine, Zap Comics, spelled with an X. Though his work often flirted with scatological and pornographic themes, Crumb is best known for creating counterculture icons Fritz the Cat, Mr. Natural, and the Keep on Truckin' Guy. So today Keep we're going to talk about Philadelphia's filthiest independent illustrator, R. Crumb. R. Crumb. And I thought that was you. <laughs> but I guess it's not. But I guess it's not. It's it's R. Crumb. Yeah, he's way filthier than I am. He's way way filthier than I am. Uh, do you guys do you guys have any? I mean, <laughs> there's dirty comics you drew for the review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were also comics with an X. Yes. Yeah, in the South like, Philly review, Tijuana Bibles. They were disgusting. disgusting. Oh, the mayor's wiener again, John Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have anything else? You don't have one about yeah, parking? The... <laughs> uh... And of course, the South Philly review is where everyone goes for independent comics. It's classic, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's a hotbed, it's a melting pot of all the best talents, most talented. Yeah. Independent comics artists. Most political. You get the, 
most psychedelic. You get into into the mind of the artist, you know. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> do you guys, do you, were you guys, are you guys into Arkham? Were you into Arkham growing up? Do you know, did you know he was from Philly? Uh, I, I guess like, I just know like the, I guess how do I put it? Like the indie dirty comic scene that kind of came from what the eighties or seventies and eighties that this style kind of comes from. And I, I guess I kind of lump, uh, like, um, Howard, Howard the duck and this and like, was it the carrot? comic uh and the, even the like, flaming carrot yeah the flaming carrot or even even like even like matt groening's old comics like i kind of lump these all together um Life i know they're hell. yeah and i know they're dirty and uh i know <laughs> and, I, and i we were like what should we do an episode on i was like oh our crumbs from philly and we made comics so this is a great crossover and, <laughs> and you're like wait wait before you before you erect the statue and pick up the mural <laughs> Let's talk about R. Crumb. I don't know. I like keep on trucking. That's groovy to me. What? What's? Let's. What's not to celebrate? I don't get it. Yeah. How? How? How about it, Beerman? How about you? Do you? Do you have a early memory of R. Crumb? I was a big fan of his, and and um, I would buy. I would get when I was like, I was probably like sixteen. And I wanted to, they have, they put out like the volumes of uh, Arkham, like by year. Yeah. And, uh, but you had to be 18 to buy it. So my mom had to like come, the the the, the one on South Street, the, the uh, whatever that one is called. Is that Atomic I, Comics? Or? Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, sure. Uh, the, uh, and, my, and my mom had to like buy buy them for me. They were like in like a special. Thing. They they always had like like the hentai section. They always had like the adult section. Yeah, it was other, like near there, shows. but it's yeah. not. It's it's they're just like these weird. Uh, yeah, so I uh, I was a big fan, and I saw the documentary, and um, they had a uh, exhibit at the ICA in two thousand eight. And I went to that. Yeah, there's the the documentary is is like great and crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about. Uh, that. Hey, is so he still I alive? Like a, is he still alive? Yeah, he lives in France, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah, he lives in France, and he doesn't come back to America. Doesn't come back to Philadelphia anymore? No. No, I don't think so. Him and but, yeah, I was him a, and Johnny Depp. They just hang out in Paris, and I haven't looked at them recently. Um, I'm sure they are very different in modern eyes, but uh, like they are, he, they're they're quite controversial. Does, they're like satirical, but they, um, it's not like I could see how they would be misinterpreted as like people wouldn't see the satire in them. I guess sometimes, but I don't know. I haven't looked at them. In, in years, I know, and, and he did the uh, he did the Genesis book. I remember that came out not too long ago. He did, um, yeah, those are early two uh, thousand. He, he, illustri- he illustrated, yeah, I think maybe his last thing I remember he put out. He put out uh, the, the book of Genesis. Uh, yeah, a cool comic uh, to make, I guess, if you like that stuff. Yeah, uh, the, the first time I appearance by the art, devil, incredible you know? artist. Yeah, 
Yeah, I I mean, I think you know his style. I mean, even if you're kind of sort of into comics or kind of sort of into counterculture stuff, especially as like a 90s kid, you probably saw the Keep On Trucking logo somewhere in some, yeah, some kind of ironic capacity. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess I first learned about R. Crumb because he's, he's the guy who came up with Fritz the Cat and someone gave me the DVD when I was in high school and was like, hey, you like weird cartoons. You like... You like comics, you would like this. And I was expecting something much more like like Space Ghost, much more like Adult Swim and yeah, uh, like Zany yeah, or yeah. Non Sequitur. Yes. But it's not. It's like it's super political and yeah. it's about sex and drugs and cops and race. It's like it's yeah. it's way heavy stuff to uh, to drop on a kid who doesn't really know how to parse that stuff yet. So like Beerman saying some things could be misinterpreted and it's like, well, yeah, because if you take things at face value, if you're too young for it or you're or you're not in the you know, in the know, it could definitely be misinterpreted. But, you know, we'll get into it because some things are just straight up, you know, some yeah. things are just straight up offensive for the sake of being <laughs> not offensive. All right. He's not above that either. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I said, I, you know, hey, let's let's do the zoo. Everybody loves the zoo. We were like, oh let's do, God. let's Enough do, like. The... Enough with the zoo. I, I feel like the zoo is in poor taste. <laughs> <laughs> Free the animals. I feel guilty for suggesting this, and I feel like it's it's like touchier than I realized. It is, but I think it's I think it's a I think it's an interesting topic to tackle, and uh, you know we are in the comic book world, and uh, not to say that our opinions matter more because of that or whatever, but we we, we have experience. I know this thing or two about Superman, and that's, you could say it. Uh, Robert Crumb was born on August thirtieth, nineteen forty three, in Philadelphia to a Catholic household in West Philly. Uh, his father, Charles, authored the book, quote, Training People Effectively, end quote, and was a combat <laughs> illustrator for 20 years for the United States Marine Corps. Yeah, very... Uh... A combat illustrator. That's wild. What a yeah. what a gig. Whew. Yeah, Whew. so uh, presumably... Here's a bunch of horrible uh, things. Draw it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get the light on this guy's guts coming out. <laughs> I gotta... Pre- I gotta... And uh, the book uh, Charles authored, Training People Effectively, is uh, is available online, actually, on Google Books if you want to check it out. It is a very oh, dry yeah. instructional manual oh. on middle management. It's uh, it's pretty interesting <laughs> that, that, the, that R. Crumb's father, who drew gory things, wrote this very dry, very dry book. His um, dad, from, from what I know about him, and, like, his, like, dad was just, like, crazy and would, like, very strict, and it doesn't surprise me he wrote this boring ass sounding training book. people effectively. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds uh, like a parody of like what that would be, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, something boring. Um, his mother Beatrice was a housewife who reportedly abused diet pills and amphetamines. Uh, Charles and Beatrice's marriage was unhappy, and the children were frequent witnesses to their parents' vicious arguments. So uh, uh, Charles' ability to train people effectively did not translate to a happy marriage or a happy home life. Robert had four other siblings, sister Carol and Sandra, and brothers Charles Jr. and Maxon, both of whom suffered from mental illness. Uh, Robert drew his own comics from an early age. His drawing style relied heavily on a cross-hatched pen and ink technique inspired by late 19th century cartooning, which is presumably, you know, a lot of like what he was looking at in books and, 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 and uh, like, like what Nancy. his access was. <laughs> Well, I mean, probably even like his dad probably had illustration magazines around, so oh, it's a lot yeah. of cross hatching and 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 pencil work like that. So uh, Chrome was a cross hatching is so cool though the way he does it and like 
it's so like detailed and like um yeah cross hatching <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> <The> cool <best>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, Crumb was a poor student, uh, so his, his teachers discouraged him from cartooning at all. They said, don't do that. Uh, it was Robert's older brother, Charles, who encouraged him to exaggerate his illustrations and his ideas. In 1958, the brothers self-published three issues of Foo, a comic book in the style of Mad Magazine, which they sold door-to-door with little success. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you imagine living in West Philly and, and, and two little kids, <laughs> little Robert Crumb, trying to sell you his Dirty comic. Get out of here, kid. Like a little suit and a bow tie. Yeah. You probably like, yeah. You probably like push him or something. <laughs> Don't ever come here again. <laughs> you little pervert. <laughs> Playing your banjo. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, this, uh, this experience soured young Robert Crumb on the comics business, and he actually quit drawing for a few years, and he got really into music instead, mostly 20s jazz. Uh, so he gave up comics altogether at this point uh, in high school. After high school, Robert moved out with $40, uh, with a $40 jump start from his father. His first job in 1962 was drawing novelty greeting cards for American Greetings Company in Cleveland, Ohio. He stayed with uh, the company for four years, producing hundreds of cards for the company's highbrow line. His superiors had him draw in a cuter style that left a footprint on the rest of his career. So I guess this is where he like picked up more of those like exaggerated cartoony features uh, that you see in, in the figures that he draws later. So that cross-hatching kind of came from yeah. dad and, and the cartoony stuff kind of came yeah. from... Working on uh, mainstream stuff, I, you, you feel the rebellion of, of, I could be making this for something else. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I totally get it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and you're surrounded by other people who make the same thing as you, and you're trying to impress each other, or 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 go or top each other, go further than each other. So you got a bunch of like cartoonists in a room, and you're drawing cutesy stuff all the time. So like, obviously, they're gonna push that cutesy stuff into a violent or or sexual way, uh, of course, j- j- just for the outrage factor. Yes, yes, I know um, well. Yeah, so um, and that's what was happening uh, in uh, in. Uh, in Crumb's little community of uh, of artists, and uh, in Cleveland, Robert yeah. had met a group of young Bohemians such as Buzzy Linhart, uh, Liz Johnson, and Harvey Picar. Um, Harvey Picar, I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess Harvey was a writer, and he kind of utilized a lot of these guys um, to uh, to draw his comic. Dissatisfied with greeting card work, he tried to sell cartoons to comic book companies who showed little interest in his work because again, it was like <laughs> it was quite vulgar. In uh, 1965, cartoonist Harvey Kurtzman uh, printed some of Crumb's work in the humor magazine titled Help! Exclamation point. Help! Exclamation point. Um, like the movie and, and soundtrack. Help. Help. <laughs> yeah, right? By the Beatles. Help. I don't really know. Was, did, did, did Help! the movie come out by 1965? Uh, I think it's the same year, actually, yeah. Oh, okay. So maybe it's just in the public consciousness. It's like it's like Stromboli we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's, just, it's out there, so you're going to lift it. You're like, nobody owns the yeah, word help. Just, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Harvey Kurtzman, uh, the guy who printed Crumb's, uh, some of Crumb's initial humor work, was, uh, was the guy was a was a, a editor over at Mad Magazine as well. He's, that's what he's famous for. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, for Crumb to get a bunch of cartoons into Harvey Kurtzman's hands and get them published is, it, it, I'm sure it felt like a big achievement. It felt like he was really moving in the right direction. 
Crumb moved to New York uh, intending to work with uh, Kurtzman, but help, exclamation point, ceased publication as soon as he got there. Crumb briefly illustrated bubblegum cards for Tops before returning to Cleveland and American greeting cards uh, with his hat in hand. So uh, it was a short-lived uh, success uh, in the New York uh, humor cartooning community. Uh, it, it's never easy. That's for no. sure. <laughs> no, he kind of he got there. He like he 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 introduced himself, and immediately uh, things just kind of like fell apart around him. So he went back to what he knew. Um, and Crumb married Dana Morgan then in 1964. Um, quote: My dad always said I'd marry the first one that came along. End quote. Uh, Crumb. <laughs> Crumb remarked. What a truthfully, backhanded thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. As a new husband, uh, he was uh, just 21 years old and chronically broke, uh, financi- financially destitute and with nowhere to live. The couple traveled Europe together, uh, just uh, backpacking from city to city, uh, spot to spot. Uh, Crumb continued to produce work for American greeting cards. I guess he would mail or, or uh, uh, take assignments and, and, and have them shipped over. But uh, the couple was still so poor. You know? Yeah, I mean, I guess, but the couple was still so poor that Dana had to steal food uh, in order for them to survive. No, I, I guess depending where you're, where you're, where you're stealing it from. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what dumpsters are we talking about? Are what these like Paris dumpsters or like Lithuanian dumpsters? <laughs> you know, yeah. that's what Lady and the Tramp did. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. That was romantic. That's right. Yeah. So the the, the Crum Crum and Dana's relationship uh, was volatile, and Crum was becoming increasingly uncomfortable with his job and uh, marriage. I guess he didn't feel he he felt weird producing all this cutesy stuff and he didn't feel that way um you know like hang in there kitty Mm -hmm. style greeting yeah i understand um and and uh then in june 1965 robert began taking lsd a psychedelic drug that was still legal at the time uh so um one bad trip left him muddled in a state for left him in a muddled state for about half a year during which time he created a number of his best known characters (laughs) including mr natural and the snoid Sounds like a good trip. <laughs> I always was fascinated that he did LSD because he like wasn't a hippie. He like hated hippies. He like dressed in suits and listened to old blues like seventy eights. And he just like hated. He just like wasn't hip at all. But then he like took LSD and like wasn't like listening to Cream or whatever. He would like draw these weird. That's like the beats, comics. you know. That's like like the beatniks and shit. The way you describe him, I don't know yourself with the movie uh, Ghost World, but it sounds like Steve Buscemi's character. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's it's it, he is based on uh, art. I never think like it's just like the, yeah the comic too, but like it's I, it's yeah. realizing that that's Robert Crumb is pretty funny. Um, and uh, these characters that I mentioned, Mister Natural and the Snoid, you've seen them on things. Mister Natural, he like he looks like a like a like a guru, like he's got a shaved head and a long beard, and he wears yeah, like he's a, got a yellow oh yeah, uh, yeah. tunic. Yeah, yeah. So like so you see again you've seen these things around they became very commercialized and 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 overly produced later but at the time uh, uh, Crumb is stuck in this uh, LSD induced malaise uh, and he's just he's pumping this stuff out that isn't going anywhere no one's seeing it um, which I'm sure is very frustrating in 1965 and 1966 Crumb had a number of Fritz the Cat's strips published in Men's Magazine Cavalier. Fritz was a hipster, scam artist, and bohemian. Fritz had a glib, smooth, and self-assured personality, characteristics Crumb felt that he himself was lacking in. 
Crumb began drawing uh, this character in homemade comic books when he was still a child. Now it was being published nationally in syndicated magazines. Um, and syndicated in magazines. So, like, I guess he always kind of drew this cat character, and uh, after tripping, he broke it back out, and he started to, like, put a personality onto it. I guess project a per yeah. you know, what he wanted to be or, or who he wished he could be. Um, That's kind of funny, like, saying, like, he's, like, supposed to be, like, a 50s, like, alternative person, and he's doing this in the 60s. Like, he's, he's supposed to be, like, a 50s hipster, like, right? That's, it's, it's kind of out of place when it was coming out. Yeah, and then I'm, by the time... Yeah, and then it, it became super popular, so then even, like, long after it had first originated in these cartoons, and, like, there's no internet, so unless you unless you go and buy one of these cartoons or comics at a newsstand, a very specific newsstand in New York or L.A. or Washington, D.C. or Philadelphia, like, you are not going to find these these comics. They were literally being sold door-to-door by, by some cartoonists. Uh, right. So it took a while for it to catch on and for everybody to see it, and by the by the time they did, it you know it's it was like the seventies even. And then they would sell it in like head shops and stuff. Yeah, then it became associated with that. Yeah, yeah, like culturally, it all got lumped together. Uh, Fritz's first uh, public appearance was in January nineteen sixty five in the comic Fritz Comes On Strong. In this debut story, Fritz brings a young female cat home and strips off all her clothes before getting on top of her to pick the fleas uh, out of her fur. Um, and uh, this was, uh, you know, this is he's drawing real nudity, but on cats. You know, it's it's not like, uh, uh, you know, he's like trying, he's getting away with something. The fetish is created, away. sure. <laughs> created there. He didn't create it, but, uh, but people sure did like it, probably. So uh, the, 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 the publishers who saw this, they loved the idea. They loved the concept. It really tickled them, but they weren't sure if they could get away with publishing it. So even putting it in the book, they were like taking a chance of being like brought up on, on, on like, uh, you know, indecency Was the comic code, the comics code yeah. out at this point? Yeah, but they were not adhering to the comics code. And that's why, like I said, yeah. you have to like take it to a, a newsstand and try and convince the, the newsie there to carry your, you know, your book or whatever. In 1965, uh, Fritz's second story was published, Fred the Teenage Girl Pigeon. In this episode, uh, Fritz is a guitar-playing pop idol, and he brings Fred, a female pigeon groupie, to his hotel room and then proceeds to eat her. He literally gobbles her up. He swallows her whole. So, like, you see... Yeah. So it's like playing on a theme here, you know? Uh, His gratification, his sexual gratification is coming in other ways. Um, But it's, it's again, pretty edgy stuff uh, for 1965. Following the publication of these solo Fritz stories, a compilation was put out uh, in Head Comics, again spelled with an X, and R. Crumb's Fritz the Cat. And Crumb received increased attention, and uh, Fritz the Cat became one of the most familiar features on the underground comic scene. Uh, Fritz was Crumb's most famous creation to date, but it certainly had its critics. Um, <laughs> So uh, uh, while it was edgy, you know, sometimes it pushed it too far. In an untitled 10-page story drawn in 1964, uh, Fritz is depicted as a beatnik caricature who has an incestuous tryst with his sister. Uh, and they, they spell it out. It's obviously his sister. Uh, Fritz bugs out, use anthropomorphic, uses anthropomorphic characters to comment on race relations with crows representing African Americans. And uh, Fritz, the no good, disturbingly depicts Fritz raping a terrorist revolutionary's girlfriend. So, like, these just kept getting, you know, further and further out there and more and more extreme um, uh, for lots of reasons, but, uh, you know, to, you know, to elicit a shock response to, to keep people buying comics. Yeah, this is definitely stuff that, I, that I'm very uncomfortable with. 
and it's just being and it also it's being like it's supposed to be satirical it's being played for laughs in some way but again like it's very specifically related to like if you're not like if you're not in the intended audience for for crumb like if you aren't already like a person who collects underground comics or you have that kind of like sense of humor or whatever you're gonna get the complete wrong message from all of these from all of these cartoons and he is the most famous he's the guy who's getting the most attention for it because of the the fritz the cat it has some it's cute it's a cat it has some like crossover appeal he definitely enjoys like the um like being a troll and like amping stuff up to where it's like like who is this for this is for you like like this is just like he was making this stuff anyway yeah yeah i got a quote from him here he said uh, i knew it was weird and disturbing and even offensive to a lot of people particularly women i derived such masturbatory pleasure out of drawing these women in bizarre situations with these little guys doing stuff to them similarly using racist stereotypes in the same way it's just uh, boiling over uh, in my brain, and I just have to draw it. All of this stuff is deeply embedded in our culture and our collective subconscious, and you kind of have to deal with it. End quote. I, I think sometimes it is satirical, and sometimes it's just like shock value. And it's like, and I think sometimes he uses the satirical headline or the satirical header as a as like a shield for for getting out some of the like he said masturbatory stuff in his brain. I mean, he like cops to it, you know, like. He's like he doesn't know where the line is. He's 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 pushing and pushing and pushing and I get that but then there's like tons of people who then like use those they they're they're not getting the same uh the same laugh out of it. It's like like the Archie Bunker thing like yeah. Archie Bunker take, tells a yes. racist joke and some people laugh at how how um how crazy it is that Archie Bunk what Archie Bunker's saying. It's so racist. What a buffoon. But then and some, some people, people laugh. are like oh yeah, yeah. like right on. Yeah. 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 I, That's funny because it's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know, and and you can't expect it to hold your hand. I know, but but uh, we just don't. We just live in a world where these things can. Um, a lot of this, as we're talking about this, and I don't know if this is worth including, but Trove uh, recommended to me to check out the uh, Pepe documentary on PBS last week, and I did. And a lot of this stuff in um, in about in our Crumb's life kind of reminds me of of some of the stuff that was talked about in the Pepe documentary, which is about so a feels uh, good man. Doesn't yeah, it feels yeah, which is a '90s or not a '90s and early aughts. Uh, 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 internet meme from MySpace that got you know taken into 4chan and mutated and and repurposed and reused for uh, racist uh, um, uh, edge lord style you know memes <laughs> to like piss people off and then you know it has all it's really interesting people should check it out but like I see that I've seen that also with Crumb's drawings uh, some of the stuff we're gonna talk about later I like I've seen his his race some of his racist drawings used by people to to be racist not to be satirical about racism yeah yeah so and uh and trove had had mentioned that we kind of cut him off but is crumb really the guy to be delivering is the white guy from west philly uh who dresses like a 1930s beatnik uh really the guy to be delivering some of this message i i, I don't know you know i think that might also be part of it so Fritz was getting a lot of flack, and Crumb retired the character, although the publishers continued to print previously rejected material for another 10 years. So stuff that was too gross or, or, or too perverted before was just gross enough after a few years of exposure to the previous stuff. So he just, like, he pumped it out, pumped it out, pumped it out, and they were like, no, not this, no, not this, yeah, we'll take that, no, not that. And the stuff that, he, that had been rejected, they had in a drawer somewhere still, and then they just were sending him checks and printing it 
to, uh, to keep people buying their magazines, uh, specifically with Fritz yeah. the Cat. So in January 1967, Crumb was making black light posters, and they were so popular that he was flooded with job offers, including requests to illustrate a full issue of Philadelphia's popular underground newspaper, Yarrow Stalks. Um, so this was like a bit of a homecoming for him. He had done some, you know, single cartoons. That's that had cool. He was popular for black light posters. Nothing cooler than that. Yeah, really. So, I mean, I think so. Anyway, <laughs> I like I like black in light posters. In the 60s, when I mean, it's... black light was, was like the leading technology. Lava lamps, black light posters. What else? <laughs> State of the art. State of the art grooviness. So Yarrow stalks uh, Lord... Um, Lord Crumb back to Philadelphia it was a bit of a homecoming after he had been in, you know, uh, Cleveland and San Francisco and then in Paris and Europe and and whatnot. And so for this uh, very special issue, uh, Crumb was going to illustrate uh, all of Yarrow stalks by himself. And this uh, this very special one of a kind uh, 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 event issue saw the debut of um, Crumb's most racist caricature, uh, <laughs> the one that I had kind of referenced a few moments ago. We're not going to say the name because even the name is terrible. But uh, this uh, very racist character is supposed to be a satirical portrayal of a stereotypical black uh, African woman. She's depicted as a large, bare-breasted tribal woman dressed in uh, nothing but a grass skirt. She's drawn with big lips, golden rings around her neck, and her ears. I have a question. Yeah. So this, this was wildly popular? Yes, unfortunately it was. It was super duper popular. And it's been reappropriated from being a satire on racism to being just used for racism uh, in, in the years that followed. Uh, this, uh, this, uh, this character is one of Crumb's most notorious targets for accusations of sexism and racism. Uh, Crumb has responded that he did not invent racist caricatures like this, but that uh, they used to be a part of American culture in which he was raised, the culture that he was raised in as a kid even. So, uh, but he wasn't really, I, I mean, I, I looked up the cartoons. He's not really subverting those stereotypes with the cartoon. He's kind of just calling attention to them. In 1971, Crumb stopped using the character in his comics altogether. Crumb's work in Yarrow Stalks inspired him to make a solo comic book, Zap Comics, again spelled with an X. Crumb had difficulty at first finding retailers who would stock the book because it was so offensive, and his wife was forced to sell the first run herself out of a baby carriage. Uh, regardless, Zap Comics managed to run for 16 issues and was financially successful. Uh, it developed a market for underground comics in general and spawned a, a, a bunch of imitators. And uh, uh, that's where that whole world of, of, of comics that look like this come from. Zap Comics is where the famous Keep on Truckin' one-page comic uh, was published. It consists of an assortment of men drawn in Crumb's distinctive style, strutting confidently across various landscapes. The strips drawing became uh, iconic images of optimism during the hippie, hippie era. The copyright on this image has been repeatedly violated. It was widely reproduced <laughs> on t-shirts, posters, belt buckles, mud flaps, and other trinkets uh, throughout the 70s. In 1977, Crumb went to the U.S. federal court and actually won a copyright status for the cartoon. Uh, it was, there was a lot of back and forth. In fact, he lost the copyright status initially. They said it, was, it counted as public domain because he didn't go through a real publisher. And, uh, and then, wow. yeah, and then he had to come back and challenge that. And so in 1977, he finally won copyright status. Wow. And he sued everybody and he went after <laughs> everybody he could. Um, Crumb was offered a hundred thousand dollars by Toyota to reproduce the image for a keep on truck and advertising campaign, but he turned it down. Uh, Crumb used the strips. Uh, I only make my money with my wife sells my filthy comic book out of a baby garage. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, they're sexist and racist. <laughs> I'll take two. I'll take two. You got you got Spider Man? <laughs> nope. <laughs> just just some racist comic books. <laughs> a man has sex with a spider in this one. But... <laughs> so if you're into that, yeah. Crumb used the strip as a prime example of the discomfort he felt with the sudden fame uh, he was experiencing in the late 1960s, saying, quote, I became acutely self-aware of what I was doing. Uh, was I now a spokesman for the hippies or what? I had no idea how to handle my new position in society. Take Keep on Trucking, for example. Keep on Trucking is the curse of my life. This stupid <laughs> little cartoon uh, caught on hugely. Big feet equals collective optimism. You're walking, boy. You're a moving, uh, you're a moving on down the line. It's uh, proletarian. It's populist. I was thrown off track. I didn't want to turn into a greeting card artist for the counterculture. I didn't want to do shtick. And that's when I started to let out all of my perverse, sick fantasies. It was only it was the only way out of being America's best love hippie cartoonist. End quote. I think this is again a little bit of like like retroactively like rewriting history. He's already doing lots of like super perverted stuff uh, before Keep on Trucking was successful. Like and, and right, lots of super right. yeah. Like the way he remembers it is kind of maybe all mashed together, but like. You know, Fritz the Cat is coming out, and this is happening. All, I guess it's all like, you know, there's no MySpace or Facebook memories to, like, keep you on track of, <laughs> of what order it all happened in. So there's a little revisionism here, it seems to me. In 1972, Crumb published a one-page self-parody of Keep On Trucking, which introduced a variety of new poses and slogans, including Keep On Rolling Again, uh, Keep On Chunkin', Keep On Toddlin', and so on. The strip, the strip was covered... Uh, and copyright symbols, and ended with an iconic, ironic suggestion that readers keep on shucking their merchandise. Um, so I guess he was like calling out all the imitators in this uh, in this reissue or whatever. Uh, Crumb was a prolific cartoonist in these years, in the late 1960s and early 1970s. At his peak point of output, he produced 320 pages over two years. Uh, but he was burnt out, and he gave up on the idea of being an entertainer to focus on uncensored self-expression instead his work yeah, you gotta became... focus on that you gotta focus <laughs> <laughs> see do i quit <laughs> i'm gonna need to focus on uncensored self-expression <laughs> <laughs> which is really just an excuse to draw more dirty and racist cartoons. <laughs> yeah that's the thing it says like that seems to be his thing of just like when times are hard i'm gonna go i'm gonna get more perverted yeah, that seems to be the answer. Yeah, pretty much. Like this is the this is the third time he said this. Uh, <laughs> in, in, in this He's just like, fine, I'll find. Finally, I will first this, for, for because of society, I will release my uh, even more perverted ideas. He, uh, it's working for him though. Every time he goes back to that well, he gets more famous for it. He's going up. He's moving all there, up. There's, there's an audience. <laughs> yeah, well, he knows what his audience wants. You're right. They want sex. They want Hooters episodes. <laughs> Sexist, racist comic strips. Who wants them? Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's too, he's he got too mainstream. rich from that. He got rich from selling that. That's. He's he's also he's like he's he's like my wife selling my dirty comics out of a baby carriage is too mainstream. I need to be. I need to, to be normies. more underground. Yeah, like, 
<laughs> we listen to some 20s jazz, excuse me. <laughs> Uh, his work soon became sexually explicit and pornographic. Uh, Crumb published the oversexed anthology Snatch. He came. He came. Uh, Crumb uh, published the oh. oversexed anthology Snatch in 1968 before walking out on his wife and their newborn son Jesse. Fine, so he she's was totally his book. She's slinging the. She's making the money. He, I think he was just like. I think this guy was just constantly going through an identity crisis and constantly running away from whatever it was that he was or was being perceived to be and uh yeah he was just like it was it was starting to click it was starting to work whatever that is you know however awful that looks and uh and he ran away from it he abandoned his uh, mm. his wife and his son yeah, well that is sad in 1969 new york animator ralph bakshi tried to license fritz the cat for an animated movie but crumb refused to sign the contract so bakshi secured the film rights from crumb's wife dana who still had power of attorney so even though he abandoned her, he still she still like was in control of all the money and stuff. So Crumb received fifty thousand uh, dollars distributed over the course of production and ten percent of the film's proceeds. Not bad. No, no, not a bad deal. She was still, I mean, she still looked out for him. She did it behind his back, and despite him screwing her, she like she still walked away with a good deal. Uh, Fritz the Cat was the first animated feature film to receive an X rating from the Motion Picture Association of America. The film's Pretty distributor cool. cap. Yeah, the film's distributor capitalized on that infamy to become a worldwide hit, grossing over $100 million. Fritz the Cat it was the most successful independent animated feature ever. Uh, however, Crumb denounced Fritz's dialogue in the film's final sequence uh, as redneck and fascistic. Uh, nonetheless, the film made Crumb truly famous. So, uh, I mean, wow. this is how I kind of like learned about him and how I got entryway into it as well. So years ago, like probably like ten years ago, the um our friends would do this thing up in Maine called Caravan, where it was like all these people, all these bands and stuff from Philly would go up there to be like a couple hundred people from Philly would drive up to Maine, and so at night they would show like movies, and it was like people would be on drugs and shit. Just kind of like a festival and atmosphere or whatever. Yeah, 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 definitely. And they put this on, and and so many people were freaked out by it that they had to turn it off. I, it, like, it's not <laughs> like it, it always makes its rounds in this in the scene, you know, like, like we're watching like we're watching like messed up cartoons. Yeah. And like they're funny. They're funny. And then someone puts this on and it's like, yeah, it's it's, it's, like, it's, oh, it's the I, first I one. So it's yeah. But at the same time, like it definitely is a vibe killer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, where's yeah, Meatwad? Yeah, what, you know, wild, and then it's yeah. like, oh, Fritz the cat, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Put like, it mildly. Record yeah, scratch. it definitely. It yeah, yeah it definitely. It hit me upside the head when I saw it, and it. I didn't get through it in the first viewing either. I, I took like, it off yeah. and then went back to it. I was like, I guess I gotta finish it, you know. Well, sometimes the first isn't the best, but it's cool that it is the first. Uh, and and Crumb didn't like it either. Following the film's release, Crumb quickly produced a comic book to uh, kill uh, kill Fritz off. Uh, the the Crumb story ends with a neurotic ex girlfriend stabbing Fritz in the back of the head with an ice pick, uh, due to Fritz's overt sexism. Oh, cool! That but they still I, made a second movie, right? Yeah, <laughs> they they made another movie without him. They had the rights, so they just did it. <laughs> So uh, Crumb kind of bummed around after that uh, during the 80s, working on punk zines and just kind of like doing, you know, guest spots on other people's things. And in 1991, supposedly, you know, this is the story, uh, he sold six original sketchbooks, which allegedly paid for his relocation to southeastern France. 
So I guess he like sold them at auction or he sold them in the art scene and uh, he was able wow. to buy a house. Wow. Yeah. And uh, in 1994, a Crumb documentary was released, a, a documentary titled Crumb was released. Uh, it won some awards and it introduced a new generation of readers to Crumb uh, and his disgusting comics. Cool. Um, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't watch that till much later. I didn't know about it in the nineties. Uh, you watch. So we just talked for like 45 minutes about how fucked up this dude is. When you watch the documentary, he's like this, he's the most level headed and sane one. He's the normal family. one in his family. <laughs> yeah. Like you watch, it's just like, you're like, oh, this is going to be fucked up. And then like when you, at the end he comes out like looking like the most normal person in the whole documentary. Yeah, yeah. The definitely. brother is, like, sitting on a bed of nails all the time, and he, like, isn't he swallowing tape? He's, like, swallowing miles of tape to, like, shit out because he's cleaning his body, and he's sitting on a bed of nails, and, like, the... <laughs> Uh, I think the one sister is like, I'm not being in this movie. No, She's neither it, neither but... of the sisters are in huh. it, no. No. No, the brothers, the brothers all have something, like, obviously they have something psychologically wrong with them. Uh, I guess uh, uh, Robert was able to f- focus that or channel it into something. Uh, and, and from the documentary, it, it seems like, you know, he, he, with the encouragement or f- through the encouragement of his brothers, he was able to channel it into something productive. And his brothers are just, like, yeah. off the deep end. It just seems like he just made so much. Like, there's just he made so many comics that it's like... You can't deny it. There are definitely a lot of comics. Yep. Like those how many are comics. People, there they how are. How many people put out like something like that from 1965 to 1971 or whatever, you know? Right. Like, right. He produced it. He just kept doing it. He yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just some comic artist who just go, blah, 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 blah. Like, just do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And yeah, but uh, like Troy was saying, like a scene popped up around him. He was like, he and, and a handful of other people are yeah, the only people doing it. There was definitely other people doing it, but um, he was the most popular. Yeah, but you get to the '80s, and there's like a there's a healthy, growing comic community in the independence uh, scene. And then mm-hmm. in the '90s, comic books is, explodes and becomes a collector's market because all of this groundwork has been laid. So like him being able to sell six sketchbooks in 1991 to to pay for a house in France makes sense in that in that atmosphere that he you know that he helped create that he helped you know um, uh, build the foundations of back in the '60s. Uh, with his dirty racist cartoons. <laughs> I have nothing to say after that. <laughs> Despite strong reviews for Crumb, uh, the documentary, it was not nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. The nominating committee reportedly stopped watching the film after only 20 minutes uh, of time. <laughs> <laughs> they were so the, repulsed the, and disgusted. The, the... The di- the director of the movie, his name's Terry Zweigoff, and he was friends with Arkham. Yeah. And apparently he was like, if you don't let me make this documentary about you, I'm going to kill myself. And that's why he directed it. So <laughs> that's that's what started the movie. Like, that 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 was the beginning of this fucked up movie. Like, <laughs> so uh, if, if it's, it's definitely, if you're interested in this person, it's definitely worth watching. There's great music because they play, it's all like the old blues it's the music he Please. likes. That's funny. Yeah, that's but it is definitely uh, it's intense. It's very heavy and intense and not not fun. Not a fun one. <laughs> not a fun. Hey, here's but, here's uh, not a good time. But it's good. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe watch Grey Gardens instead. It's less racist. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. Watch, Grey uh, Gardens is also great. Watch Ghost World instead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, you brought it up earlier, and I guess, like, now thinking about it, I mean, Ghost World also has, like, that guy gets, he's collecting racist art, and he gets in trouble for it, and, uh... Right, uh, right, right. Uh, the, the comics the, even drawn, like, a, like, a crumb style, like, I yeah, mean, yeah. the movie's not drawn, but the, the comic definitely has that feel, that, that ugly look, you know? Yeah, that it's supposed to be him, even, yeah. I'm sorry I picked this topic to be what we talked about this week. It's, uh... Was not as lighthearted as I, as I expected, but you know. Well, I mean, I guess that's the deal. Anybody who's like, "How come we don't talk about our crumb more?" Isn't he a famous Philadelphia artist? Well, this is <laughs> this is why. This is why. This is why people don't do more with "Keep on Trucking" or "Fritz the Cat" because they're, uh, you know. Um, okay, that's pretty much all there is to know about our crumb. Uh, please check out our website, uh, www.southfellini.com. That's S-O-U-T-H-F-E-L-L-I-N-I.com for cool Philly-inspired merch. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at uh, South Fellini everywhere. Follow along. Join in the conversation. We want to hear from you. Thanks for listening to us. Make sure to look out for new episodes of the podcast every Monday. Stay safe, wash your hands, and wear a mask. Bye. Bye.